Sport, Insight, Inspiration. This is your host, Arup Sones. Welcome to Kite Talks. This is our third season and there's a lot to learn, lot to listen to. Enjoy. All right, we are live. Uh, welcome to Kite Talks. We have a wonderful guest uh, with us today, Asha. Asha Thakur. Um, Asha is uh, well from Vancouver, uh, but living in Mumbai now. Uh, Asha is the Chief Commercial Officer at Sportco. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about them. Fantastic organization, really cool tech uh, uh, they're working on. And, and definitely we talk about the- Asha, thank you for taking the time out. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Arun. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, um, like I mentioned, Asha, the idea of this conversation is is to talk about you, talk about your experience in sport. You've been uh, in the industry a while, uh, but I want to go back a bit. I know you you studied uh, in in Vancouver, yep. um, and then uh, your first job wasn't in sport. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you you worked with Cadbury and a few other companies. Was that did you always know you wanted to move to sport? Was that how did that sort of come about? Uh, no, um, not at all, actually. And my first entry into kind of the working world was through ISEC, which is an international student organization. Some of our, yep. uh, some of the people watching will either been a part of it or know of it. And I think that that exposes you to a lot of different things and a lot of different people from different. And this is ISEC Canada. I was part of ISEC Canada. And then I moved to the Netherlands and was part of the international secretariat. Um, as wow. Part- international so my first two full-time paid jobs were at were through Isaac after graduation um and so no I didn't I didn't grow up or think that I would be working in sports as as a career um and a lot of it is you know I'm uh, of a certain age one would say and I I would say you know 20 or 20 25 years ago the opportunities or even exposure from business school going into the world of working um sports as an industry to work in wasn't really one of those buckets that people went into um and i you know growing up in in vancouver we had while we had uh, a hockey team and at the time um like during my college years we had a basketball professional basketball team there weren't huge it wasn't a huge employer for example um uh and we also have a cfl team um so I never thought of it as, as a career. Um, and actually I didn't have an industry in mind when I was studying or going into school. I didn't think I want to work in FMCG, which is where I ended up going for my first corporate job, or I want to work in uh, XYZ. I always at each step or each step I've taken, I've really focused on, you know, where could I go where I'll get a great experience and work with great people and learn and be with really, really bright people. Um, that said, as an aside, like sports has been part of my life since I was born. You know, my father was a huge sports fan, fanatic. Uh, he grew up in Africa and played cricket, uh, moved to Canada um, in the 70s and uh, was introduced to ice hockey um, and loved it. Um, and so what, growing up watching the Vancouver Canucks um, as my team, uh, was a huge part of my life. We were season ticket holders for 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 hockey. 
The company uh, my dad worked for purchased the C local CFL team, which is the BC Lions when I was in elementary school. So when I tell the story, it does feel very natural that I worked in sports because I was exposed to the sports industry from a business perspective very early on in life. You know, I, I knew what it meant to be in the back office so that, you know, the, that fourth wall was lifted nice. when I was about 12 or so when they bought the CFL team. They only owned them for a few years, um, but uh, had a lot of exposure to that side of the business. And I feel like I always knew that. I was always more interested, for example, in the NBA draft than just the game. You know, I, in maybe 1995, the NBA draft was in Vancouver. Um, and I went and I had like a notebook of all of the players that were getting, that were up for draft. And I remember really caring about that side of the game very, very early on. So the person who was least surprised when I started working at IMG was my dad, um, because it was for him, it was just so obvious that I could fall into that space. Um, but uh, I don't think that being a sports fan is what's made me successful in the industry. I just think it feels like it's, you know, sports has really been a big part of my life from from the outset. I, you know, since I was born, I can remember being five years old at hockey games and and loving it. So um yeah, so from, from that perspective, that's that's where kind of the love of sports have come. And then professionally, it kind of just happened. Awesome. So, so IMG was in Mumbai. Yes. 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 So how did how did that move happen? I mean, I, I mean, where, where's the how did that how did you get to, to Mumbai? Where yeah, so I, I went to India um, with I was working in New York um, at a digital media company called vault.com, um, which was right. I like to think of it kind of as a precursor to like the Glassdoor space, um, if you know Glassdoor.com. And that was where I really got into the digital media space um, and moved to Bombay to open uh, their India and head their India regional office. Um, wow. And unfortunately, that happened right at the same time that the U.S. crash was happening in 2008. Right. So from a business perspective, we had a, a lot of success in my first 18 months here. But there was a, a decision made to consolidate the businesses regionally, um, and they rolled up India into Hong Kong, which was the right business decision for them. But it meant that I, um, I decided at that time to leave Vault um, because I had then already now spent two years in India almost and being exposed to everything that was happening in India. I remember my first week in India, I had uh, three friends in New York who were laid off in the banking industry, and I had three friends in Bombay who were starting new companies. Um, and that dichotomy or that very obvious difference in terms of what was happening in those economies just was so clear to me. And I really enjoyed living and working in India and being in a high growth market. Um, and so I left Vault and I joined Quan, which is um, a celebrity management agency. They've now rebranded. I actually don't know their their current name. I hope they don't get angry with me for that. They've rebranded, but I joined Quan um, in their first year of business and worked there for a year. Um, and, 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 and I know how that happened because of the ISEC Connect, if correct yes, me if I'm wrong. Exactly. <laughs> so actually, I met the founder of Quan. Um, I was after leaving Vault, I had gone on a holiday to Ladakh, which is for those of you who are watching and don't know, it's a town in the Himalayas. And I met the met meaning kind of ran into the founder of Quan's at a tea shop on the top of a building in Leh, Ladakh. So, um, wow. and that led to some more conversations when I got back to Bombay and it led to me joining Quan. Um, so go on vacations, everybody watching, because you never know who you might meet. <laughs> Take that time. <laughs> um, and so uh, when I was at Quan, obviously, you know, part of, part of why I've been so successful kind of jumping in my career and making these moves is because um, I do 
spend quite a bit of time getting to know people within the larger industry. Um, and IMG Reliance, um, at the time it was going through, Reliance and IMG had just come together. So I was, I think, the first or second employee to sign an IMG Reliance letterhead, um, letterhead offer letter. Um, and they were looking for somebody to lead their external communications. Um, so it was PR slash digital. Um, and it seems like it wasn't so long ago, but in 2010, 2011, the idea of having somebody manage digital was not, was, you know, it was something that maybe interns did. Maybe, you know, you might hire somebody, an intern to yeah. come up three months to do it for an event, but it wasn't. So I saw it as a great opportunity to really push forward kind of the digital agenda. Um, and for my time at Vault um, and being exposed to a few things, I knew that this is where the world was going. So um, you know, very honestly, through personal connections, I got an interview at IMG and IMG Reliance and uh, then got the offer and, and, and joined as uh, officially my title when I joined was General Manager External Communications, I think <laughs> was my title. Um, I've never been one to care about titles, but I think that's what it was. Um, and I managed both the, ex all, everything external. So both PR um, and social media uh, for the first little while. Um, and fortunately for me, unfortunately for a lot of people, IMG Reliance was going through a state of flux. I think it's natural when you have two companies coming together, uh, you'll see people who had been legacy IMG people who had been there for years um, being, you know, working together with, uh, with, a company that is very different in terms of culture. We saw a significant amount of turnover, which opened up huge amount of opportunities for, for me um, because we, a lot of the legacy people left, close to 90% of the people that were there when I joined um, left because they had been there mm -hmm. for five, six years, which is quite natural. Um, so huge opportunities came for me. So I um, led my, you know, my whole career, I've been a generalist by, by design. So I've done sales, I've done operations, I've done PR, I've done social, whatever it is, I can wear all the hats and that's by design. And that was one of the times where being able to do all of that really benefited me because then I moved very quickly to um, also lead the sponsorship team. Um, so led the team until we could find the right person. You know, It wasn't that I wanted to be the head of sponsorships, but uh, when that person left and he's gone on to do some really great things, um, I led the sponsorship team for about a year um, and then moved uh, to kind of be like a jack of all trades, which is why I left. My title was general manager of strategic alliances because we actually sat there going, we don't know what to call. Like my, my I remember my, my manager or my boss, the CEO was like, I don't know what we should call you. And, and um, so we just made it up. We made up a title that just said like, this is somebody who does all these random things. Um, and so in my last two years at IMG, I, uh, co-managed the relationship with the Basketball Federation of India, worked on the, on the ISL launch team before, before the ISL was... You were there uh, almost five years or five years? Actually, almost four. I have, a, I have a sweet spot at companies. About three and a half years is when I start leaving, if you, <laughs> I realize that. <laughs> um, so there's a sweet spot for me at about three and a half-ish years. Um, but... Uh, so I, I, again, got to be exposed to a lot of different things. And at each level, you know, at IMG, for example, when I was at ISEC, we, and anybody who's watching has been part of ISEC, putting on events is a big part of what you do at ISEC, large conferences. So when I moved to IMG and we were doing events like Lacme Fashion Week and Aerosol Chennai Open, it was very easy for me to put on that events hat and, and run with it. And I, I didn't struggle with some of those, those things because I had done those things before. So 
it was one of those benefits, again, of being a generalist and having not been so focused on being in a stream saying, I want to do marketing and all I'm going to do is marketing. Or I studied finance and operations in school. I like basically trained to be an investment banker. Um, it meant that, you know, I'm able to understand P&Ls better than the average person. I'm not perfect, but um, it means that it's helped me in my career to be such a generalist um, that I can throw on any hats. And it's even taken me to where I am today. And then from IMG, um, it was very almost natural for me to join Facebook. Same. <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually my next question. What, what, do you, did you see that as a natural progression uh, to Facebook? It felt like a natural progression. And, you know, the reason how I found the Facebook job is I wasn't called by a headhunter. I wasn't any of those things. I was one of the guys who worked for me was going to do his MBA at ISB. And I, want, I needed to fill his position. So I went to LinkedIn and looked for, I was like, how do I make this job sound really cool? So I went to LinkedIn and looked up like cool jobs in sports. And then the, I saw the Facebook job and I thought, this is me. This is actually like, they've written me on paper. And um, very honestly, so then I did, I, I worked that magic and I, I looked through, um, I looked through LinkedIn to see who I knew worked at Facebook or who I knew and um, who, who I knew could have known at work at Facebook. And I found a friend of mine who was connected to a recruiter, um, you know, reached out to them, reached out to the recruiter on Facebook saying, you know, here I am. They were very close to the end of their process at Facebook. For anybody who's interviewed at a tech company, it usually takes quite a while, but they were right at the end. So my interview process at Facebook was really, really quick. Um, and Facebook was looking for somebody to really come, you know, they wanted somebody who knew the industry of sports and not necessarily somebody who knew who was kind of a, a, a tech, had a tech background um, right. because there's people in the company who do that. So they needed somebody to be that bridge. Um, and my background working with celebrities and athletes at events, leagues, teams. Um, and the only gap I had is I hadn't worked a lot with broadcasters. But again, you know, everybody, not everybody hits 100% of what you're looking yep. for. Um, it moved super quick. And within 10 days of that initial outreach, I had my offer from Facebook, not normal, not the normal process for anybody <laughs> entering in tech. Um, but it worked out well for me because, um, I, uh, I went for it and I just reached out to everybody I knew in the network and didn't try to go through the website or other processes. So that's, uh, how I ended up at Facebook, um, and just hit the ground running was the only one on the team for sports. So at the time, now the media partnerships team is large. Um, mm -hmm. But when I joined, I was a sports team of one on a media team of four in, in India. Um, now right. that media team is in the 25, 30 range, I believe. Um, and wow. I think the sports team is probably three or four people now. Yeah. No, I, think when, when, I think when we met, uh, uh, it was just one and then you added another, added another and, yeah. then, and then, and then it became two. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so uh, I think like what made me successful at Facebook was a lot of me. Um, like I think one thing that I sometimes see missing for people and where I think has worked for me is a lot of humility in the work. Um, because at all of the jobs I've had, I've not been able to, to, I've worked in very small teams or been the team of one on my vertical, which is the same as I'm doing now. And I can't put my ego hat on and say, I won't talk to the most junior person on the team, or I won't talk to the intern, or I'll only talk to the boss. Um, and I think that sort of attitude 
gets in the way um, of kind of success. Or if I have a, a goal, which maybe, you know, if we want to look at, I remember now that it's fresh in my head, the Rio Olympics, we had a really lofty goal of getting every athlete who went to Rio on social media. Um, and again, now it seems crazy that we'd have to do an exercise to get athletes on Instagram. But in 2015, it wasn't the case. Um, so myself and I grabbed in uh, somebody else. We got about 110 athletes from the Indian contingent on social media. We were able to take advantage, advantage of really interesting things happening because um, this is working and we work with partners like Go Sports, JSW, OGQ. Um, I can't say that I you know, reached out to 110 directly, but uh, including the IOA. Um, and we were able to, to achieve that by, again, same thing, not being not worrying worrying about what our goal was and not necessarily worrying about um what what protocol should be and i find that i found a lot of people i um deal with have have those hang-ups and i can understand where they come from but for me personally it's it made a huge difference for me um in my career and that's, my awesome. that's awesome i, I want to ask more a little bit about the facebook um, i mean your experience there more on the um, operational side of it or like how you worked because at the end of the day facebook is facebook right it's it, you you have to be on it uh, as a property as an event um as an athlete individual so you as a sports partnerships person how do you prioritize i mean it's a uh, um like do you set up sort of temple events but the funny thing is there are so many events uh, big ones, small ones. So, so how did you guys, and, and of course, I mean, you were uh, one man, woman, <laughs> uh, one woman show rather. Um, and and uh, how, how did that, uh, I mean, how did you manage? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think there are two, two overarching, two overarching uh, priorities help me structure my, my life. One is what Facebook's business priorities are were and that that did provide a significant amount of structure to the work that I did and it could be you know Facebook priorities when it comes to media partnerships we're often on the product side um, we have a new feature coming out on Instagram um, and we want to ensure there's adoption or when I again all these things seem crazy now but video was a huge priority when I joined Facebook it was right after the ice bucket challenge video Facebook was not a video platform and Instagram wasn't at all and now it seems like a generation ago but I'm only talking about five or six years ago um so priority for I know it's crazy a big priority for us was you know getting getting people to use video more on the platform so the first overarching was what my company needed from me or in this case what Facebook needed from me the second was um where can I get where can where can we actually make a substantial difference in the industry? And it could be through creating in, like mini influencers within within a market. So if I if for example I'm able to get uh, like a Virat Kohli to do something, what's the water, waterfall effect that'll happen? Or other side of that, where can we show significant growth? So for example, working with Kabaddi teams um, who by nature are smaller in influence or in size, um, if we compare it to Indian cricket, <laughs> um, it, you know, we can take a, a Kabaddi team from a hundred, from a hundred followers to 200, you know, just to give an example. And so that's, you know, hundred percent growth. So really looking at how to achieve, how we can putting things into those kind of buckets. Um, and then of course, tent pooling out the year um, and who's open to it. 
um, you know, a lot of the decisions I made were based on, I was, you know, a person of one. And when I had uh, the person that joined me was Tazine, who, you know, and when she joined, we really just said that we are going to work with the people who really want to help. Um, which means that there are some top tier cricketers that didn't get, they, you know, if they had a problem, I was always available, but they didn't get the level of support um, that, that uh, other ones did because it's about who's willing to help accept the support. And that's one of the luxuries of being at a Facebook is I can say no to, I could say no to a lot of people. Um, and then about halfway through my time at Facebook, we pivoted as a business to just from just supporting uh, product growth and adoption to getting into BD and content acquisition. Um, so that dramatically changed um, changed the nature of the work I did. Um, and as, as you know, and as many people know, uh, I was the deal lead for the IPL. IPL. Um, mm -hmm. So that dramatically changed, you know, how we were interacting with people, who we were interacting with, um, and also the focus of what, what we were doing. And that, again, that comes back to the first thing I said, which is, what the company needs was the first driver of my prioritization. That said, I love sports and I'm extremely passionate about growing non-cricket sports in India. Um, I know I work for a company that's focused on cricket right now, but, um, and so I did have a, a, a bias towards making sure that we work downstream, whether it be football, you know, my, I joined in, in, in May, during May of, of 2015. And my first big project I did some stuff with Kabaddi, but the first project I did was with the ISL. Now, of course, nice. I did, they were my former colleagues from IMG, which made that trust level happen much quicker. Um, but it was really important to me that I was, I made ISL as important to the IPL, because if I only cared about those top level numbers, I could have done nothing but cricket all day long. Cricket gives you numbers. Um, and India, and very honestly, cricket gives you easy numbers somehow, sometimes, because um, India, India gives you numbers and cricket gives you numbers. Um, but I was extremely um, deliberate in the decision to work with non-cricket sports and then communicate the wins differently. So instead of, you know, with, with cricket, we communicated the top level number wins because that's really the only way to say that something was a success. But with, with Kabaddi or football or the Olympics or any other sport we work with, we had to really be granular in saying, what is a win for us? Is it, you know, number, number of athletes that were able to onboard to the platform? Is it number of workshops you were able to do? Is it number of teams and the way that they grew? It was very different. And, and for me, more strategic and more fun because um, uh, we, it was less checklisty. We really had to dig down into what was important. Um, and that came from me personally. And I am extremely grateful that I had that flexibility um, because I was a team of one I was able to drive to drive it in the way that uh, the company trusted me to do what I felt was best for the company so that was really great no and, and I mean of course uh, uh, we interacted during that time and, and to say the least you did a fantastic job uh, I mean it was uh, even at, at when we were working together for the under 17 world cup it was it was really awesome to see the um it was still it was an under 17 world cup uh but 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 still i mean it, it was it was awesome to i mean when you guys opened doors for us to come and uh, showcase the trophy uh i mean you guys uh, helped us do multiple lives it was fantastic um so uh, i mean and, and and i and i and i can can see where it's coming from at the end of the day you you had to well treat everyone equally uh, in, the, in in terms of sports so no awesome kudos to that um 
sport co yeah. uh, how how did that come about tell us a little bit about the technology i i i mean i was uh, reading about it and uh, it looks really awesome uh, again you can uh, so i'll I'll spend a t- tiny bit of time talking about how i ended up at sportcore because it's a question i get a lot from people who know me um and then i'll talk a little bit about sportcore so i uh, i left facebook in um october 2018 so it's been a while um and i spent the time since then doing some consulting becoming an executive coach because i'm extremely passionate about making the sports industry companies better places to work um especially for women um and in during that time i was introduced to the founder um the, the fa- founder and executive chairman of sportcore uh the founder is a gentleman named ben tattersfield and the co-founder and chairman is Michael Kasperwitz um who will we call Kaspa most people do who is a former international cricketer uh, for Australia um mm-hmm. and i was introduced to them by one of the investors who's india based uh, just because they were interested in looking at the indian market for the product and it was not a consulting opportunity but it was literally just a conversation and it's one of those things that whenever you know always take those conversations because you never know what will come out of it and we ended up having conversations back and forth for about a month i for about 3 months i actually never realized i was interviewing for a job um uh very honestly uh, not even when they brought like the chairman of the board <laughs> on the call um and for me it was always like we were talking about how we could collaborate and having conversations about it and then once we formalized it i the reason i joined sportcore besides the tech the the technology which i'll talk about in a minute is because i really love the founding teams and everybody i talked to i felt that um i felt that these are kind of people that i want to build something with when you meet you know the the board the head of the vc that you're that's funding it um and the investors and if everybody you're working with feels like somebody you want to spend more time with i feel like that's an uh, opportunity you want to explore Now let me talk about Sportcore. So Sportcore is a tech company. Uh we're uh in the IoT um internet of things and software space. We as a company create electronics um and we partner with the the manufacturers of sports equipment to get those electronics into uh into their equipment. Now in layman's terms we have created a chip um that sits inside balls and the inside sport balls and our first product and the product that we have right now is the is a smart cricket ball. So we've partnered with Kookaburra um to transform what was or is the Kookaburra turf ball, the traditional turf ball and I have one um into a smart ball. Uh and so for people who are visual, this is what if you cut that ball open what it would look like. And what we've done is we've taken this core, replaced mm-hmm. the core that would normally be inside of it with with electronics. Um and so what that allows us to do without just we've done that without changing the way the ball looks, feels, plays or anything. And that's one of the benefits of partnering with a partner like Kookaburra because yep. when we work with them, we ensure that the product that comes out at the back end is something that can be used in in the game. Um mm-hmm. and that is the the nature of what we do um and how we develop how who we are as a business and the benefits of having a core inside the ball are or the the electronics or sensors inside the ball are significant the performance benefits are one so we we're now putting um kind of coaching or performance into the hands back into the hands of players and coaches because 
a, 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 you know, a, any player, any coach can pick up the ball. The data for a player would come into the app. So there's an app on your phone um, and they can get information on spin, speed, bounce details, power, and a few other metrics. And the current metrics mm -hmm. that we have are um, focused on the performance of bowlers. But again, we're, the, this is a chip inside the ball. So we're tracking everything it does. So in the future, you'll see us do more, more data points around bat force and hits and all of those things. But from a performance point of view, you know, we're, we're removing, we're adding some complexity and, and giving the power of coaching back to, kind of back downstream. Most, most, not all, uh, coaching for bowlers is done with the naked eye. Um, there isn't so much check, especially that is affordable and accessible. Um, and so that's a big part of our business. Uh, the other is, of course, working with elite teams is a big, uh, you know, working with elite teams. Um, and working with leagues and broadcasters because that data, the yep. data that we get from the ball is, is never before seen. You know, we, there are, there is yep. some ball tracking that happens out there and, and we think will complement the existing ball tracking significantly. Um, but now, in a, when you're watching a match, um, fans will be able to get real time data directly from the ball, um, whether it be, you know, under, and understanding that a lot more, which provides new opportunities for broadcasters, whether it be additional sponsorships um, or uh, just more interesting things for commentators to talk about and learn about the game. It also provides new data streams for fantasy and other consumers of sports data. And one of the reasons why we partner, we're not a ball manufacturer, we're a tech company who puts electronics inside the ball. Um, and by partnering with Kookaburra versus making our own ball, um, it means that this will be the first time that a ball will be used in a professional game because now the same ball that uh, somebody practices with now will be able to be used in the game. So we've just announced our first uh, partnership with the Caribbean Premier League, the CPL. So from oh, August, wow. from, so from August 26 onwards, the Kookaburra Smart Ball, which is what the ball is called, will be the ball of the CPL. Every single ball bowled will be a, will be a Kookaburra smart ball. And it's the first time that a, a cricket league will be using a, um, a, a smart ball. Um, and so if it's, so this is not, not just a training tool, it's valuable at each of the areas, but this will be our first time and the first time in history that this is gonna be tested in that way. So we're really excited. Um, we're very excited partnering with the CPL who's like extremely, um, innovative and in how they present the game. Um, and so it just is like another feather in their cap and, and a really great testing opportunity for us. I think it's going to be really interesting also for you guys, because um, it's not only about sort of educating the players and coaches. It's, it's also then educating, like you said, the broadcasters, yeah. uh, the commentator. I mean, because there's new data and, and nobody's dealt with this data before. Uh, and, and it's one of the most key components <laughs> of the game. <laughs> so um, no, it's uh, amazing. So, so um, again, uh, maybe I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but does it stop here? I mean, with the ball, obviously you're going to perfect this product and, and, and expand it, but where else do you see sort of the technology expand into? And uh, so uh, I mean, is it just going to be cricket or maybe other sports? It's a great question. So the current product that we have is, you know, if you look at it, the way we see it is this is a, a product that's ideal for a hard ball. Um, yeah. And so there's natural fits for us to look at baseball, 
uh, grass field hockey, grass ho hockey in India, we just call it hockey. I'm Canadians. So we always put what we say yeah. what <laughs> hockey it is. Um, lacrosse. So our, our next move is to look into um, other other major sports um, and we're already we're already starting that work other major sports particularly looking at the US market for baseball um, and because in those markets it's the same thing there doesn't it, a product like this doesn't exist so a product doesn't exist where the ball can be used in in match play most products out there um, can't be hit so the moment that they're hit with force um, the electronics kind of go a bit wonky, and that's one of the kind of one of the benefits of our model, where we work with ball manufacturers, because we're not trying to become a ball manufacturer. We're trying to work with a ball manufacturer to make a better ball. Um, and so I think you'll see natural. Our future is continuing to refine the cricket ball in terms of the data, and the more you know, this, we use AI and an algorithm. So the more balls that are bold, the better algorithms will get, and the more data points we can provide. So just the CPL tournament alone will give us significant amount of data. We're already beta testing new metrics, and we'll be able to go live with them over time. Um, but while we do that and go deeper in cricket is really refine our next layer of balls um, and of products. Um, and then, of course, like if, if we can, and as, as the technology advances, looking at balls that are not hard balls um, and yeah. you know, um, balls that any you know, balls that are inflatable, as you can imagine, they're, they're, there isn't anything for the core to hold on to. So as there, the ball technology is changing for tennis, for example. So you never know. You might see us there. And I think for us, it's mm -hmm. we don't see kind of a sky. We uh, there really is nothing. We it, it can be anything. Um, it can be kind of we can kind of go anywhere. Um, but in the medium term, I think you'll see us focus on on balls per se. Um, we're not looking at getting into other sports type of equipment just yet. Got it. No, that's uh, <laughs> really really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and and it'd be really interesting to see where um, it, uh, it it goes. It's uh, I mean just nowadays i mean there's so much data and 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 there's so many geeks of the game uh, <laughs> that that they love uh, more data coming at them yeah so question um so now you guys i mean you guys are b2b at this point yeah. but will you also be talking to fans will you be able to sort of will fans also have access so like maybe download an app and yeah. is that is that part of the journey so we actually don't see ourselves as just B2B. Um, awesome. So the ball itself, we the, the B2B is is a part of our launch, is our is a big part of our launch and is our launch strategy. Um, but very quickly we are moving into, we'll be moving into B2C. Um, the app is available for anybody. So anybody Amazing. who buys the Kookaburra Turf ball, the Kookaburra Smart Ball, would be able to download the app. Um, and we see the C, the C meaning the C in this doesn't necessarily it can be like a, a extremely casual fan but it also could be like an amateur uh, a, a somebody who's maybe a little bit more than casual but not necessarily too much more <laughs> if that makes sense um and our plan is right now the kookaburra turf ball is an elite ball um in terms of the the, the type of ball it is the average player isn't buying a, a a turf ball to play um, with their friends mm -hmm. again. So our, our next phase is to release a ball that is in the more um, kind of in the more casual space in terms of the actual quality of the ball. Um, because that's what, you know, if you're playing with your friends, you're gonna 
pick up a ball from your local store and, and play with it. But yes, B2C is a huge part of our business model um, and it's a big part of our plan. Um, and it this ball is not limited and won't be limited to um, won't be limited to uh, business customers only. Uh, over time, will even this the elite ball will be be able be available for purchase to anybody. But again, we want to make sure that, like I said earlier, one of our key tenants is to make this type of performance tool affordable and accessible. So right now, it is both of those things for more elite players or even even like an under 17, under 15 player, it's already that. But for the casual player, it's accessible, but maybe not super affordable. So that's our next, uh, anything we put onto the market will be both of those things. It's really important to us. Awesome. No, this, uh, I mean, it must be exciting to be on the inside and, and, and really, uh, it, like you said, there's no sky. Uh, it's, it's, it's really uh, exciting. And I think also, you know, for me, the, what what got me hooked is the possibilities for fans to engage with new types of data. As you know, that's where my, you know, we have, we have Caspa, we have a former uh, international cricketer um, who sees the whole picture, of course, but also can understand the performance needs of this ball better than anybody that we could, we could hire, for example, because he's been in the space. Yes. Um, and so my passion is really the fan you know, the way fans engage with data and fans engage with content. And I imagine a world where, you know, a cricket match in the future won't look much different than watching a, like an esports kind of game where there's different layers of data and a fan can pick and choose um, what sort of data they want and how much of it they want. And so by being part of that, and for me, I never thought I would be on this part of it, <laughs> but I always thought I'd be part of the, the companies that were creating the layers or creating the tech, creating the like more software tech about it. Um, but, uh, but the being on this side of it is, is great exposure. And the other thing is, you know, I've gone, this is the first time I'm working with such an early stage startup. So, uh, it's again, just like another part, another skill I'm putting into my basket, um, and being able to, uh, being able to be part of things that I, I haven't had exposure to, like fundraising conversations, you know, where, you know, working with our VCs, there's a lot of different a lot of different exposures that I'm getting outside of just the core business, um, which is another reason why I was ready to kind of take the leap into the start, into the really early stage startup world. You know, it's 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 been fun and interesting. Awesome, uh, Asha. This conversation has been absolutely fantastic, and and I and I really appreciate you sharing the stories um, from uh, from your early experiences uh, to now, and and to say the least, you've you've made a dent, a big one. And, 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 and I think there's a lot to look forward to and, and uh, awesome, uh, all the best with, uh, with SportCore and, and everything else uh, that you do. I really appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you, I appreciate you asking me and um, good luck. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the sessions. So thank you. Awesome. All right. Thank you for joining us. You can check out more resources and insights on our website, kitetalks.com. And of course, if you want to learn more about sports, sports business, leadership, much more, uh, check out sportscourses.com. Again, thank you and uh, enjoy. Enjoy.